Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, guys, this is going to be a fun conversation. I've had one amazing conversation with Susan already, and it was insightful as hell. We just had a lot of fun, some cool chemistry. So, so strap it in. This is going to be a really, really, really fun in-depth conversation. So stick around and, and hang out and have some fun with us. Miss Susan Cross, welcome to the show. jump in here really quick and make sure you guys know about our badass sponsor point blank safety services man stacy mcgovern mike mcgovern and the team over there that are taking care of the police officers across the great state of texas are doing amazing things keeping our, our highways our buildings and and everything around us safe and secure employing off-duty police officers and it's truly badass that their mission is to keep the men and women that are keeping us safe with additional income so they can sustain their family life and do the things that others won't do to make sure that we uh, stay safe out there. And because of their success and their ability to employ over 200 police officers over the state of Texas, we, they started a organization called Blue Family Fund that gives back and supports the families of fallen police officers. Um, the tragic things and the days and times that we're in and the unfortunate incidents that has led to the death of several police officers and and you know their families that are left behind somebody's got to take care of them and stacy and michael over at point blank safety they opened up blue family fund so they could help support those families scholarships for the kids additional funds and resources as needed it is an amazing and beautiful organization so do me the world's largest favor guys if if you love and support this show go support Blue Family Fund. Go go to their website, bluefamilyfund.org. Send them five bucks, 20 bucks, something, anything to go help them support police officers and their families. It would be an amazing, amazing act of kindness for you to do that for them. And, and it would mean everything to Stacy and myself uh, for your love and support for what they do. And if you guys have not come over to check out Success Champion Networking, let me tell you that we are changing the world in how people professionally grow their business. B2B networkers from around the world coming together to grow and scale through introductions and referrals. Man, this is not your kids, you know, networking group. This isn't for the rookie, the the rookies. I can't even talk today. This isn't for the beginners. This is for the get shit done action taking folks. We literally bring the best of the best together um, in weekly chapter meetings of business to business professionals that are kicking ass and taking names. I'm so excited for the success of this. We have since May launched 20 chapters across the US. We just opened in Canada. We're getting ready to open in London and this continues, continues to scale and grow. I'm fascinatedly excited for the ability to impact and change the world by helping others so drastically change how they're growing their business. Because if you put a room of a bunch of badasses together, amazing shit happens. So go to either DonnieBobine.com, click on networking groups, and it'll take you right to the page where you can get signed up to visit and check out a chapter or you can go to successchampionnetworking.com for more details.
you so much. Donnie, I really appreciate it. And I uh, appreciate the warm welcome and the opportunity to, to share my story with everyone who's listening. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's fun when you find almost kindred spirits, you know, people that are literally changing the game, changing the world and have a good story to go with it. So, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So, so tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got here, and then I'll poke fun of you as we go along. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm used to being poked fun at, so we'll have some fun. I agree. I agree. So I am Susan Cross, and I have been a public relations professional, a business communicator for nearly 30 years. And my pivot point in life came in 2017 when I almost died. I thought I had life going on pretty well, right? I've worked in, in the C-suite. I've worked with the C-suite. I've been part of corporate America, part of agencies. I've been an independent contractor. And I have had a blast telling stories about businesses and products and schools and charities and learned a lot and been on the front line of history sometimes. And, and I'm really grateful for that. But I have to tell you that nothing none of that experience prepared me for the time that the story actually became about me. Mm. In January of 2017, I was on vacation in the Caribbean with my husband. We were on a remote island, the island of Dominica, which um, many have heard of because it was nearly wiped out in Hurricane Maria. We were there mm. just before that. And my appendix ruptured and I had to have emergency life-saving surgery. And I thought at the time, I didn't know that it had ruptured. I was in a lot of pain. I thought at the time that I just had, you know, normal traveler's distress going on. And when I got to the hospital, the first thing I saw was a lizard on the chair in the waiting room in the procedure room and i realized that my experiences in american hospitals were going to be of no use to me when i was in the hospital yeah. in, in dominica and it was really scary it was the scariest thing that ever happened to me because i was diagnosed with appendicitis and then i went into the operating room thinking that it was just appendicitis and then when I woke up the next day, I found out that my appendix had actually ruptured and I was septic. I had been literally within hours of dying and I was a guest for five days at the hospital in Dominica, thanks to the kindness uh, and talent of a really amazing medical team that helped me to, wow. to get through all of that. It was a show-stopping moment for me, Donnie, I've got to tell you, because I thought I had it figured out before then and I realized that while I knew some things, I was valuing some of the wrong things, and I had to think about life a little bit differently. Wow, that's crazy. You know, a couple of things is luckily, knock on wood, I've never been sick overseas, you know, uh, in another country. But that when you sat down and you saw a lizard sitting on a chair, I mean, in my head is, oh, my God, are these guys going to be able to know what the hell they're doing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to disrespect the folks there, but I have to be 100%. honest with you. It, nothing looked like what I was used to seeing in America, because like you up until that point, I had never had to get medical treatment outside of the United States. And so and I'm also generally extremely healthy. So I have a very narrow view about what it means to have a medical crisis outside anyway, right. outside of the United States. That's just kind of like a double whammy. Uh, my husband was a rock star. My husband, John, was an absolute rock star. I was in so much pain, and I was just fighting so hard to stay mentally aware of what was going on. And I just felt really compelled to be as present as possible because I just didn't know what was going to happen next. And I had that moment when I got the diagnosis, um, which – by the way, you know, there's moments of humor along the way in tragedy, right? So I was diagnosed actually by two Cuban doctors who had been speaking Spanish while they were doing some ultrasound tests on me. And when I realized, when I said something and they realized that I was an American, they said, ah, Americano, we're so glad that we get to like each other now. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm laying there on the table and I have tears coming out of my eyes because the test was very painful for me. And 
um, I thought, you know, and I, and then I had a kind of a chuckle and I said, I'm really glad we are too. And then I looked at him and I'm saying, we should have been allowed to like each other a long time ago. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and in any case, um, I, I had to just leave all of the ideas that I had about care at the door because I knew that I couldn't do anything about the appendicitis. And I really had to throw myself on the mercy and talents of all the people who were going to be taking care of me. When you are an A plus personality and a take charge person, like I've been, like I said, I've been on the front line of history. I've had to stand in front of buildings that uh, where children were being evacuated because of bomb threats and explain to the community what's going on when um, we're closing down a factory or a plant. But all of a sudden I'm laying there and I'm in pain and there's, you know, no air conditioning and ceiling fans going and you can hear the sounds of the jungle outside of the windows. And I just had to stop and I just had to say, I, I can't do anymore and, and put myself in the hands of those people who were smarter than I was in that moment and could take care of me. And luckily it worked out, not without a lot of bumps along the way. Those five days were rough. I'm just going to throw that out. Well, there. I'm sure, you know, on one hand I'm hearing and I'm like, okay, so she's in this cool fantasy land yeah. with jungle outside and everything else. And the same token, she's fighting for her life. You know, that is, is that's something you rip out of the pages of a book somewhere you know, <laughs> like a bad romance novel or something. <laughs> exactly. Except it's a good romance because uh, my husband, John, and I um, have been together for 35 years. And I actually did write a book about this, but it literally felt like that. I mean, I thought these are the things that happen to other people. Right. This right. is not the kind of stuff that, that happens to me. And, and it was just such irony because the play, uh, Dominica is absolutely stunning. Most of the island is a national park. It's its own country. It's not owned by anyone else. And it's absolutely stunning with cliffs and um, beautiful oceans and snorkeling and just magic everywhere that you look. And it, luck, I'm glad I'd had that experience before I ended up in the hospital, but it was, it was very scary. Scariest thing that ever happened to me up to that point, for sure. So let's walk through this a little bit because so you're one of the top PR people in the world and your job is to not spin a story, but, but to explain a story. Sometimes albeit tragic things happen and be diplomatic in, in how you're telling the world what's going on. Now you go and you're this, this very high level seasoned executive to now go through this life-changing moment, mm -hmm. how did that impact your corporate career and the things you were doing? What changed? Mm -hmm. Great question. And thanks for the compliment uh, regarding <laughs> the expertise. I sure appreciate that. What changed is that for me personally, what changed is that doing it all, all the time was just not as much fun as it used to be. It, part of it became a grind and I still liked the storytelling aspect of what I do as a PR person. I'm still doing it today. And that storytelling aspect is just magic. And I love doing that. But what changed for me is that I didn't want to be beholden to someone else's schedule and not be able to create a better life balance for myself. So I had become the job and like many people who work hard and do a great do great in their careers i had become the job and i had some things out of balance and out of whack and this made me look at that in a different way and realize that i don't have to spend 15 hours a day totally focused on working if i'm not it was uh preventing me from doing the best that i could shall we say and right. so now i look at that differently and i look at the stories differently uh to be honest with you with my uh, corporate clients and my non-corporate clients, because I have both now. And I look at the stories very differently than I did before. How so? What do you mean? I, my role is to help advance whatever's important to the company. So how can public relations help their story move forward? Is it to support the sales process? Is it supporting the advancement of individuals in their careers? Is it to help a nonprofit uh, secure funds or 
build its reputation in the market that it serves so that it has more people uh, enjoying its services. But what I'm doing now, what's different, that role is still the same, but instead of just looking at it from the immediate financial angle, which is typically how most stories are told in public relations, I'm looking at it more from the human angle and the angle that says, how can we actually talk to people? How can we connect with them on a more human basis so that they feel empowered to make decisions for themselves? We want them to make decisions about the products that uh, I'm talking about or the services that I'm representing, but it has to be them. So it's kind of like looking at the world from their perspective much more holistically than specifically. And mm. it's made a big difference. No, I, I, I love that. You know, I think people often get confused with PR because PR is either get me on that TV show or be the mouthpiece when I really fuck something up. Right. You know, those, those, that, that, that's where PR is. So you're trying to put this authentic human spin on it. That's a unique twist in PR because it's not always seen in that light. It's sometimes, you know, from my corporate experience in the years playing the corporate game, you know, uh, we only brought the PR people in when something broke, right? right. You know, something tragic was happening. Okay. You guys come in and put out the fire. Um, you know, so, how are you really, I mean, the, the idea of bringing in this human authentic side is a really unique spin and not simply something traditionally put with PR in itself. You know, I think, I think it's becoming more, I think it's starting to morph more that way because I think there are more folks like me who are entering the field who are looking to tell stories in an authentic way. Now let's not kid ourselves. That whole buffer segment that you're talking about where they just need somebody to be the buffer to the organization and stand up there and deliver the bad news. That is still very much part of the job. And I have a lot of experience in crisis communication and there are definite legal steps that have to be followed in those situations and steps that are in the best interest of um, the individuals who are affected by whatever's going on. And that still exists. But when I'm approaching it, to your point, authentically from a more human perspective, and I like to think I was doing this all along, but I'm so much more aware of doing this now than mm. I thought I was before, because I thought I was, and now I'm like, wait a minute, no, I had it going on, but this is on a whole new level. It just kicked the game up quite a bit, and you're right, it's bring these people in when something's wrong. What I'm seeing with the people that I work with, it's all about bring this person in to help us figure out how to tell it, tell our story correctly so that we can um, do the things that we need to do to succeed as a company or as an organization. Mm -hmm. And the first part of that is not fix something that's broken. It's help us identify what we might be taking for granted about ourselves that we can share with the marketplace to make it better, to make the people who use our products better, the people who need our services better, those kinds of things. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, that, that authentic word is thrown around so easily nowadays. And I think people are completely hung up and confused on what it really means to be authentic in the, in the marketplace. So, so if a business owner is like continually trying to find, how do I be authentic? How do I show up authentic? You know, how do I position myself as authentic and real in the marketplace? How do they go about that? I mean, how do they really show up as a genuine person in especially in the crazy ass world we're living in now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It gets a little scary out there sometimes, let's be honest. Um, you know, the first thing they have to do is uh, actually uh, be honest about what their goal is. And a lot of organizations come up with really uh, um, long mission statements or vision statements. And it's a bunch of words that they have spent a lot of time putting together, a lot of statements about, um, you know, we are customer first, we guarantee integrity, we're curious, whatever it might be. And most companies have something like that, that, that fits what they're doing. And all those things are very true. But what happens is that authenticity is about speaking in the language of life, not in the language of business. And so that's probably the first rule of thumb that I use when I come in. 
and I hear those absolutely brilliant mission statements and vision statements. And what I come in and I look at that and I'm looking at what their strategic goals are, what are they trying to accomplish as an organization. And I look at that and I try and translate that to the language of life versus the language of business. So if we would say, for example, that we are innovative for, you know, talk a lot about innovation, a lot of organizations and companies talk about they have an innovative approach to something or an innovative product, they've come out with something new. Innovation, like authenticity, is an overused word. Right. So the language of life for innovation is what does this product do for me? What does this service enable me to do that I couldn't do if I wasn't using it? The innovation comes in showing how something is different, not necessarily claiming innovation. It's, a sh it's so the language of life instead of the language of business and messaging that is more show me than tell me. Yeah, no, I like this idea of the language of life because it's almost like you're saying, put it in layman's terms. You know, exactly. Right. Put it in terms that your audience can understand and put it in words that you would want to hear if you were looking for your products and services, not the, the big dictionary encyclopedia, you know, words that somebody told you you need to put in there. Because, you know, me personally, I always struggle with mission statements and vision statements and core values and all that because I think it's a lot of dribble. I think it's a lot of made up things with a good intent, you know. So, so if somebody is trying to put these, you know, life words in there, they're trying to put, you know, that spin on a regular basis, is it simply a matter of reframing the word they're using by asking different questions or is it really trying to break it down big bird style for your consumers? I think it's actually both. And I think it depends on how comfortable the leadership team is in taking it down to the lowest level. So some of it is breaking it down big bird style. And that's actually what I recommend first. And one of the things that we talk about, because what I found is that most of the, the leadership, these are very smart people who have in most in business owners or leaders of organizations are very smart people and they have really good ideas. But sometimes breaking it down big bird style, for example, is something that they hesitate doing because they're they get in their own way almost. They're concerned that they're not going to represent adequately what they're trying to accomplish when just the opposite is actually true. When you break something down into its easiest to understand components, that's when the magic starts because your own employees, your own colleagues can just jump on the bandwagon quickly and understand what they're supposed to do and they take it forward in a huge way and your customers, those people who are buying your products or who are using your services, see themselves as part of your organization or benefiting from you in some way and it's golden. Yeah, I love that. You know, I can see the struggle from CEOs and companies and everything when they're trying to simplify. I, and I say it because I love the moment we're in where a lot of people are still home doing Zoom calls and their kids are in the background, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and you see these, these powerhouse people being brought into this human aspect, you know, because a lot of times your C-suites and, you know, your major executives that, you, you know, you're really, you're overachievers, they're not seen as human, right? They're, they're right. seen as something else. And society now is, is forced everybody to see the human side of things. And I think it's fascinating to watch that the world shift in that direction, which plays really well for all the things you do. Um, how much coaching and education do you have to have with these CEOs and executives when you're telling them they got to be more human? Because human doesn't conquer the world, right? That's the difference. I mean, you look at guys like Jeff Bezos, you know, everybody knows he's an ass, but there's respect because of what he's built, right? right. You know, all along the way. How do you tell Jeff Bezos that you got to be more human <laughs> and not, you know, beast mode? 
Well, again, it goes back to what I said before about show me versus tell me. So sometimes you just have to model it and set the scene a little bit differently. So to tell somebody that they need to be come across as more human or more relatable, a couple of ways that we can accomplish that. Um, one of them could be to put them on video because, but not let them sit in their office. So put them in a setting where the video background is something other than the office and you're seeing them out of the either, sport jacket you know right. right exactly and even a sport coat is okay if the background behind them is say the front door of their house mm, okay. now all of a sudden and i have a, a client who was creating some internal messaging and a number of their c-suite folks needed to be part of that and they filmed everyone this was in the era of covid so they had to do the filming um individually everyone filmed their own and then they put each individual video together to put something out for the organization. But folks were in front of their front doors. I mean, that's a really great equalizer, if you will, but it doesn't remove the leadership component from those who are leaders of an organization. Because I can still speak with authority. I can speak with confidence. I can be the leader and provide the kind of information and or comfort or whatever is necessary in the moment, but I don't necessarily have to be sitting in my office for that to happen. So one of the things is to change up the, put them on video and change up the scene a little bit. Make sure that there's, um, you know, their glasses, if they use reading glasses are sitting on the desk and that's visible. Those right. are human characteristics. Pictures of the family, but not artfully arranged. Maybe they're a little bit crooked in the background or there's a piece of paper next so to So like they're real. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, interesting. What about just the opposite of that? So you have a CEO that's running a smaller business, mm -hmm. but they need to look like big corporate business. So maybe they're running an IT firm and they're going after the bigger companies that have thousands of computers sitting on desks and they want that account, but they only have five people on their team. How do they show more themselves to be that big and capable of handling that type of work, but still maintain this human side of them? I think that's where the storytelling comes in because the first thing that I would say to a smaller company that might only have five employees and has the capability to compete with someone who is much larger is that you need to think bigger than the six employees of your organization, you plus the five that you've hired, but you can't misrepresent yourselves as something size-wise that you're not. It, the storytelling becomes, uh, that's where the authenticity comes in. It's about showcasing what you've done that is as good as or better than what the larger organization has done and do it in a way that connects directly. So in, in smaller organizations often have less structure to the way that they give presentations in my experience and larger yeah. organizations tend to have a very defined structure that's very focused on their, the way that they represent their brand. And both are correct. I am not saying that, that one is better than the other, but the companies that win are the, the success champions, right? right? To use your phraseology, are the ones who are able to take their story and talk it through in a way that highlights the things that are most important to the prospect. So if you're talking to a prospect who you vetted on the front end, you've done your research about the kinds of companies that they typically hire as vendors or as embedded employees or support services or whatever that may be, and you know, and you, you've met with them, you've talked to them, you've studied uh, whatever uh, social media exists about them, and you've done your homework to really understand what makes them sizzle or what they value, you ask simple questions like, uh, are you business casual on the inside? What does that mean to you? Those kinds of things. You're really getting a picture in your head of how they operate. Then you speak to them. If they're a company that is a suit and tie organization and that's not who you are, regardless of how much that account might mean to you, they may not be the right match because if that's not you, that's not authentic. And if you were gonna rep your, represent yourself as a suit and tie organization, or uh, you know, skirts and heels versus slats and pants will be gender um, fair here. Right. And that's not you, 
it doesn't matter what you do because that'll shine through once you get in and do the work and it won't be a comfortable fit. Yeah, that's brilliant. No, I, I very smart. You know, right now I'm seeing a huge shift in the industry of more and more CEOs coming out and being on social media, becoming the face of the company, if you will. Um, but there's some that know they should be doing that, right? They should be coming out and being more active on social. They should be telling more of their story, but they're really struggling with, and it's not ego, they want it to be about the team, right? They want the, to lift their teams up and make them more, more, hey, I didn't get here on my own type of leadership styles. I'm seeing a lot of that show up in the marketplace. So they're struggling with this thought process. I need to be out front, but I want to make sure the team is lifted up as well. How do they tell that story, but keep both components without getting ego in the way, without saying, hey, look what I've done. It's really the team, but still stay out front, if that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm seeing the same trend as well. I don't think it's an either or. And I think that's really the first thing that those CEOs need to think about. It's not either the CEO or the team. It's always a both and. And where they struggle, like you said, is being inclusive. Leaders have to lead. They have to speak with authority. There's an expectation that they are going to be the one where the buck stops when something needs to be decided. That does not take away from the value of their team. And in situations where I've provided guidance to C-suite level leaders about how to represent something their organization has done, one of the things that I say is that they need to be telling their own story based on the role that they had with whatever the subject is that we're talking about. So they can own something specific that they've done in the organization to advance it. And one of the ways that they can bridge toward their team and make sure that they're giving credit to their team, because we all know, right, that it is about the team when leaders, right. true leaders, it's about the team, it's not about the leader. But true leaders also will acknowledge that they built a great team. So maybe their leadership skill is not that they solved an IT problem, for example, if it's a, a, an IT leader. Maybe their skill set is that they understand how important it is to have a very diversified team in terms of experiences and abilities and all the other things that might play into the conversation or the solution at hand. And that's how they can bridge that because they want to show they need to acknowledge that they did something, right. but then they can transition or bridge the conversation over to spotlighting their team, which allows them to spotlight whatever the achievement is. And it comes across as what it actually was, which is a collaboration and much more, um, it, it comes across as much more authentic and real. A person can relate to that. Yeah, no, you're good, girl. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you've had a few years doing this. So, you know, social media right now, um, the world is talking about sharing your authentic story. That's talking about, you know, constantly showing up as yourself online and everything else. Um, and I just love asking this question. What does that really mean? What, what stories am I supposed to tell in this social space? How am I supposed to show up in this world so I'm a human, but also a CEO? Is, 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 is that making sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. I think the first thing that you need to do is you need to say, I'm allowed to be both. And I'm allowed to take off my CEO hat and be mom or be dad or be daughter or be son or be sister or be brother or cousin or friend. Okay, or let whatever. me challenge that really quickly. I love that. But in corporate C-suites now, if I'm dad, I'm mom, I'm whatever else, I'm also unpromotable. I, from my observation, that is shifting a little bit. I agree that that exists, and I'm old enough to have faced that directly. Like I said, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years, so I've faced that directly since the mid-'80s, and I understand um, 
that that ceiling, that glass ceiling, whether it's for men or for women, is very real based on family, based on relationships, based on being um, the non-worker versus a real person. And I agree with you that it does still exist, but I think it's changing. And I think it's changing because those who are best, in my opinion, at being CEOs and C-suite level leaders are recognizing that at, le at the very least, their own people internally need to know that they're also human. They're not just the boss. Their own, it starts there and then it, it works its way out. Um, the non-promotable piece, I have come up against that, and I think that that is still a very real fear for many people. I think that COVID is going to change that a little bit simply because the way that we go about our workday and the way that we go about accomplishing the tasks of work is in a real state of change right now because the old rules are just hard to, to enforce. Because when you're working from home and your dog runs across the back of your screen inadvertently, it's what it is, and you can't get more much more human than that. Yeah, I yeah I I, I love the fact that the you know board paneled boardrooms are going away. The you know the stoic office structure has been going away. Now that's been going away for a while, but I love that we're shifting in this moment to to this this more real world, if you will, as we continue to move forward. And I love everything that goes through it. Um, I know as my career progressed, right, one of the biggest struggles was I was Donnie at home, but then I was a different Donnie at work, you know, and one of the things that I had to figure out somewhere along the lines is those two people had to meet, mm -hmm. right? Because the only way I was going to find happiness, joy, get anywhere I want to be in life is I couldn't be two people, right? I think a lot of people are scared at the moment that if the world knew who they really were, that they wouldn't do business with them. What are your thoughts? I think that happens sometimes. I know I certainly had two sides. There were two different Susans. There was the, before 2017 for me, there was the Susan at work and the Susan at home. And that line was getting blurrier and blurrier for my, my home life versus my work life. And I think that there is a little bit of fear about that. As you said before, it's, it, there's always a concern about being viewed as um, a professional and being taken seriously, right? And, and so we try to, to dress a certain way. We might show up for an interview or a conversation um, representing how we want to be viewed, right? So that may mean that we, we have certain shoes, our hair's fixed, whatever, we shave, we don't shave, whatever that may be. Um, but I agree with you. I, I think at some point, the home person and the business person have to meet in the middle. Because if we are going to be authentic, and we are going to be speaking the language of life, and not just the language of business, we have to be able to represent life. And we can't represent life if we're not allowing that integration of work and life to appear within ourselves. So the obvious question um, for this, for me is, so what does that actually look like? Right. Um, you know, what does that actually look like? What are the things that I have to do? Do I and, need and to- what, what, And what portion am I not allowed to do, right? So what is too far? Yeah, okay. So let's start with that and work backwards. We can kind of reverse engineer this a little bit. So on the piece of what is too far, um, part of that is going to be dictated, I think, or for me, right, for me, using myself as an example, part of that is still dictated by the clients that I work with. So I'm a contracted PR person right now. Um, I, I have my own uh, consulting firm in public relations and marketing communication strategy. And part of how I represent myself to the clients that I work with is dependent on what their situation is. So for example, I have one client that is, uh, um, that is very casual. I'm talking ultra casual as in um, it's a manufacturing operation in food service and they are wearing tie-dye shirts and they're, you know, it's just, it is a very casual. 
I have uh, the opposite end of this. Yeah. You laugh at that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have another client. I have some other clients who are part of a global organization. And so they uh, tend to be a little bit more formal because they're representing themselves um, to multiple countries and there's different rules uh, for professional representation there. But how, so, so I, for me, what I do is I base some of that on how um, the client that I'm working with, how far they're able to do it. Because when we are working with someone, if I'm going to be authentic, I have to be myself, but I can't go rogue if I want a relationship with someone who can't tolerate rogue. Mm. It's just, it's just what it is. Just like you may, uh, maybe you won't. Some of us, uh, the best example I can give is, do you speak to your brother the same way that you speak to your grandmother? The answer may be yes, but for many people, the answer is no. They might not use exactly the same language with their grandmother that they do with their brother. That doesn't mean that they're less authentic with either person. It's just that they respect the other person enough to meet them in the middle somehow. Well, I want to challenge this just a little bit because for, for me on my journey, and I like how you spun it to you because it makes it easier to tell because you can always talk about yourself, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's your story. So for me growing up, you know, I was told at an early age two specific things. Um, I was told one that um, I should lose my country twang. I shouldn't say y'all and I should lose my country accent because I'll never climb corporate America, right? Because if, if you sound like a country bumpkin, you're unpromotable, okay? Unfortunately, they weren't wrong. You know, um, and, and at the time in the corporation that I was in, you had to act and walk a certain way to be promotionable. Promotionable, is that a word? Promotable. Promotable. <laughs> um, flip it, the other thing he told me was don't tell anybody you're a veteran. And what he was telling me, and he was very, very spot on, is your veteran background will do jack shit for you in corporate America, right? because it just means you have no skills and he wasn't wrong because uh, climbing corporate you know america being a marine never did a damn thing for me so for 10 years i didn't tell anybody i was a veteran and i lost the y'all i lost the twang and i climbed a corporate ladder it was interesting that i happened to go to a networking event one night and i hear two guys over the across the room say the United States Marines. And I went, holy shit, they're out in public telling people they're Marines. In, and they incorporate, we're in a suit and tie event. And it blew my mind that they would talk about being a veteran. And what I learned was in climbing corporate America, being a veteran means nothing. In networking in corporate America, being a veteran means everything, right? So, so it was a really cool lesson for me to learn. I was later told in my career that I should never, ever, 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 ever cuss. I was told that you cannot cuss because it's an immediate turnoff and it ruins, you know, relationships and burns bridges. I'm going to challenge that only because I've built my brand around it. You know, even to have it a badass business summit, uh, you know, and having this kind of fuck you vibe personality to me has built my business. And I use it more as a disqualifier for others. So, for instance, when I walk on stages to speak, I will stand out and say, where are my badasses at? When I say that, one magic thing absolutely happens. Half the audience goes... That's me, right? Hoop, holler, scream. The other ha half goes, oh my God, he said badass, <laughs> right? So, so I immediately know who I'm talking to. Now, by the time I'm done, the ones that said, oh my God, he said badass have usually converted over to hear me speak, right? But it's because I'm being completely authentic all the way through. So my struggle with, with picking how you're authentic, because I... My, my mom even asked me this. She goes, you know, as you run your business, you've gotten more foul mouth and everything else. Imagine if grandma was here, would you still be doing it? And I keep telling her yes, because this is truly who I am as my whole. And it makes me complete. Right. So, so my challenge is if I'm running a business, I'm not playing corporate America, corporate America and running a business, two different worlds. Yes. If I'm running a business. What's the line for authenticity? 
I still say that it's what you are willing to put out there and risk will be accepted by whoever your target is that you're going after. So even in the example that you just gave, right, of talking to people in the audience, and half of them are immediately saying, I'm all in, and the other half aren't sure but convert over time, or some of them yep, convert yep. over time and are booking you or whatever. Um, great example. I still think that it is put out the energy that you want to receive back and be willing to risk that not everyone is going to receive that, and that's okay. And and you have to have a mindset like that because if, if I, in your example that you gave, if you had a mindset of I'm converting 100% of the people 100% of the time. <laughs> You're going to lose anyways. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've lost before you even say the first word. And, yeah. you know, so I still think that it's, uh, it's, it's a personal decision. It's very personal. And, I, and to turn it inward, good redirect there for the example that I was giving, but the big piece of that is you have to put out there what you're willing to go the distance with and accept that it won't be received at a hundred percent. No, I, yeah, I, I, that's how I've approached it. I mean, even to the point that, you know, family wise, I had some, my brother had some friends come over to the house and I was just me and portion of it. The guy that I'd never met before looked at me and goes, do you always cuss like this? And my whole family lost it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm like, this is just me at That's all times, great. you know, and, and, and I, and I think I've been more comfortable being me by just being me and not having to think about it. But I, I, I like how you position it, that people have to make the choice of accept the potential wins and the potential consequences and be okay with it. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the key to authenticity, right? If I'm going to be my authentic self, I've got to be able to take both sides of it. And I've got to stand up to both sides and keep moving forward. And that's just what it is. And business owners, there's nothing different with that. And in my world of PR, right? So I, I stand by what I said. I, I take my cues to some degree by the group that I'm working with because they're going to have different tolerance ratios, but I don't work with somebody that I can't be myself with. Mm. Right. And I'm not talking about becoming a chameleon. I'm not talking about um, doing something that is, is not authentic, but in some cases they, what they ask me to help them with, they're not able to receive if I can't do it in a way that they can hear it. And yes. that's in my world, right, as a, as a consultant in communication and PR, that's part of it. I have resigned clients in the past, right? So I've had clients that I've worked with in the past that uh, started out great, but as we dug into the relationship further, it was just not working out mutually on both sides. I felt as if I was compromising my ability to do a good job on their behalf and they weren't getting what they needed out of it. And in those situations, I just had to walk away and walk away from the money, walk away from the relationship. There were no bridges burned in that situation, uh, in any of those situations where that's happened. It's just an acknowledgement that, you know what, this is, this is where my line is right now that I am not willing to cross in order to do what I know is right in the world and to be myself, which is all I can do on any given day. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a hell of a journey for me to come to that kind of same realization, you know, um, because I think you and I grew up in similar societies of you had to, you know, be that person mm -hmm. to, to find some sort of success. So it's, um, I'm constantly fascinated with how we continue to show up in the world now, you know, in, in the things we're doing. And it makes life a lot more fun. Transition a little bit to some of the PR things small business owners can be doing right now to help mm -hmm. them get noticed because we're in a really crazy chaotic moment. Yeah. You know, and people are, are really struggling with should I say something? How do I say it? You know, will it hurt my business if I take a stand here? Well, you know, how do I show up in the world? 
do they do they stay out of it? Do they get into it? You know, is that a personal choice? You know, where do you sit? And I'm I'm not taking this political. I'm just curious. You know, when there's a major issue in the world to show up on, do you choose to show up or do you choose to shut up? There's not one answer that will fit every organization and or every business owner, right? So, and that's goes back to the authenticity piece. I think the first thing that business owners have to ask themselves is what, how do I really feel about this? So the, as a person, as a business owner, how do I feel? And is this something that's relevant to my business that I need to express a public stance on, or do I need to demonstrate that I have an opinion about this? And that answer is going to be different for every business. Um, and, and no, none of those answers are incorrect. Because the worst thing that a business owner can do, particularly a small business owner, is to jump on the bandwagon of whatever is um, unsettling or disrupting the world in the moment and not be able to actually see through what they say they represent or that they believe. If we just make a statement about whatever's happening, but we're not able to live it through the way we operate our business, the way that we talk to customers, the way that we prospect for customers, the way that we celebrate success, the way that we recover from failure, we've said something that has mattered in the moment, but we haven't done anything that helps us succeed for the long term. And small business owners are constantly trying to evaluate the short-term versus the long-term gain. And I think it has to come back to that to get that started. Yeah, no, and very well said. I. I, I... I gotta be honest, I looked at my company and I'm like, we're not saying anything. Because for me, it doesn't move the business forward and doesn't demonstrate what we are doing as a company as a whole. And and that was just kind of the direction we went. And and it it's just an easier business move to not get in the muck of anything. Um, just go run my business. And that's, that's been, been a fun position to have um, all the way through this and show versus tell going back to your words, you know, and that, and that's how we continue to try and, and do everything we do. And I think me personally to put a, a, a one answer on all this is I think if more companies would just show versus tell, this would be a lot funner place to live. You know, um, there's a lot of mouthpieces in the marketplace at the moment you know, don't have to be one more. Exactly. And, you know, small business owners in particular, it's not easy out there right now for small business no. owners, but, but small business owners more than anybody else have to figure out how to show up in the marketplace every day. And they've got it because they're going to be out there grinding, grinding mm. away to, to try and, and get things going. And you can't make that up. Um, your customers and prospects will only buy what you are talking about for so long if you can't back it up and if you can't show versus tell you've got to find a way to rise above the noise without becoming part of the noise because once you become part of the noise you're sunk because you're just like same old same old or everybody else and that's really not the purpose of your small business you started your small business because you had something to offer and it's that unique offering that you're bringing forward, whether it's a product or a service or whatever it might be, that you need to have stand out. And you can't do that by always jumping on someone else's bandwagon. You need to make sure that your own halo is shining under its own light. Well said. Well said. So, what I mean, you've got a pretty cool company. You've got, you went from Billy Badass Corporate America, you know, <laughs> to to Billy Badass running your own company, which God love you. Um, I have so much respect for people that took the leap because it's a scary leap. You know, um, having done it myself and gone through it, it's, it's scary as hell to make that leap. So tell us a little bit about what all you're doing with your business. If somebody wanted to reach out and use your services, connect with you, what all the things do you do? I am a, officially, I'm a public relations strategist, and um, what I do is I help companies figure out what their message is and how, from a marketing communications perspective, they can tell their story in the marketplace. So, for example, um, if an organization is bringing new products forward, 
where do they need to be making sure that their new product information or their new service information exists so that the target that they're going after can see it and choose them and decide that, that they want to buy it, purchase it, become part of their group or whatever. So what I like to do when I go in, uh, what companies often ask me to do is to come in and help them look at themselves basically help them get out of their own way and see some of the stories that they're not telling that they may be taking for granted and really look at where the opportunity exists to connect with who they're trying, who their target audience is, who their customer is, who their, um, whoever their uh, member is, whatever their organization is. And that's what I do. So what I do, I go in and I do, uh, I kind of audit their current communication. I take a look at their business plan and I see where the gaps are between how they're communicating now and what their business plan is designed to do. And it's interesting because a lot of companies will say um, that they want to accomplish something with their business, but their communications plan is still talking about things that have nothing to do with that. So they may say, I'm bringing a, I've got a new um, gym. Let's say it's a, it's a fitness center owner. Someone started their own studio or their own gym. And so they're pushing out a lot of information about when they offer classes and um, their location and the cost and things mm -hmm. like that. Okay, want, want, want. That's all information people need, but honestly, they can get that by going to a website, going to a social media page. They, they can get that information word of mouth. When what actually the stories are that need to be told about that fitness center are why people go there. Why should I choose that one instead of another one? Because if I'm, if fitness center one is trying to compete with fitness center two on cost, they'll never win because someone will always come in with a lower monthly fee. But if fitness center one says that our classes do this for you, or you will feel like this after our classes, or, you know, we can help you um, connect, um, train for a marathon, whatever it might be right. that their specialty is. Now, all of a sudden you're talking to people in the language of life, not just in the language of this is how we operate our business. Love so that's that. a very simple example, but um, that sometimes they don't see that because they think, wait, but if they don't know that I'm open from seven to seven, they won't know when to come. When the real thing is, if they don't know what's going to happen to them once they get in there between seven and seven, they're not going to come. And that's a lot more important for people to know. Love that. Love that. Good on you, girl. How do people find you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they reach out and say howdy and hello? Well, I would love to hear from folks. I'd love to hear them say howdy and hello. And the best way is to actually go to my website, which is uh, www.susan-cross.com. I know you'll have this in all the notes that you put forward with everything, Donnie. And they can email me, susan at susan-cross.com. They can also find me on um, social media, on Facebook, uh, Susan Cross Writer. W-R-I-T-E-R, -E and on Instagram, where I do post a lot of uh, fun things about the outdoors because I love nature. I do um, a lot of writing personally about nature and about uh, restoring nature. I live in a um, pristine environment, so I write a lot about that and send a lot of pictures forward. So Very cool. Very cool. You can reach me that way, and I'd love, love to connect. Love it, love it, love it. Well, girl, here's how I like to wrap up everything, and I do stump some people, so get ready for this. Okay, I'm so, ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. If you were going to leave the champions around the world, I, I more countries than I can count that if I listen to this show, if you were going to listen, give them a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially when they're stacked up against it, What's that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. Remember this. Laugh more, take life a lot less seriously, and love even more ferociously than you ever thought possible. Brilliant. You need to put that on a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. uh, Susan, this has been a hell of a conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. I think this one got a ton of value out of it for the listeners. So, so thank you for doing this. Thanks for hanging out and just thanks for being a badass. <laughs> I appreciate it, Donnie. Right back at you.
for more conversations in our Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook, up in the search bar, type in Success Champions, click on groups and you'll find us. We'll be right there. Over a thousand small business owners from around the world who are collectively rising, networking and growing their business. You will not be disappointed. The highest engagement of any group that I've been around in is absolutely amazing and awesome. So come hang out with a bunch of badass business owners in the Success Champions Facebook group. And share this out with somebody who needs to hear these words uh, and, and people that need to be inspired, touched, and, and learn something new about how to grow their business. Talk soon, guys. Love you. Later. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.